Hello and welcome to the Open Labour podcast. I am not James Gibson, <laughs> I'm Tom Hinchcliffe and uh, we're doing a PMQ's reaction. Uh, we're going to start doing more of these, I think, just a very short 10-15 minutes about what we thought of PMQ's and we thought we'd start with Rishi Sunak's first PMQ since he became Prime Minister um, after Liz Trust resigned last week. So I'm here with Tess Milligan, how are you? I'm good, yeah, thank you. Good. Um, how did you how did you find the first PMQs for Rishi Sunak, Prime Minister? I thought it was really interesting um, because he's using all the the usual sort of greatest hits of the Tory party. You mentioned, you know, Keir Starmer uh, apparently doesn't leave North London very much, according to Rishi. And it's funny to hear these usual attack lines that we've become really used to coming out of his mouth and they don't quite land the same. Um, when you look at like uh, the BBC had a word cloud of, of words that people associate with Rishi Sunak, the biggest one was in the middle and it just said rich, you know, <laughs> which is unsurprising given he's on the Sunday Times rich list and everyone knows about, you know, his wife's non-dom status and all this sort of thing. Um, it just doesn't quite land the same when you've got a sort of former city boy as um as the Prime Minister, you know, levelling these sort of attacks against Keir Starmer. Because if anyone comes across as this sort of elitist, it's definitely not Keir in that scenario. Um, I thought it was also interesting the way he tried to defend his comments that he made in that infamous video in Tunbridge Wells about, you know, bragging basically about redirecting funding from from deprived areas to to wealthy areas um and uh, he sort of tried to blame it on you know rural and coastal communities need need funding too which is true but that wasn't what he was talking about in the video um and when you look at the polling of how rural voters want to vote uh it shows overwhelmingly they want to vote Labour at the moment. Like, they clearly don't think that Rishi Sunak during his time at the Treasury has done enough for their communities at all. Um, so I think Keir was right to highlight, um, you know, the disunity and, and that there are people in the Tory party on his own, you know, on Rishi's own benches who believe he does one thing and uh, says one thing and does another. Mm-hmm. I think in general, just the optics are terrible for the Tory party that they've got someone who you know they can't really tie an aspirational message to Mm. you know because of his wealth because it's during a cost of living crisis and his policies don't enable many people to be aspirational so I think there's a lot of usual hits that are not landing for the Tories and aren't going to land under Rishi at all. Yeah no I agree with that I mean I think I think the Tories think that Rishi Sunak's going to kind of restore some sort of personality to the Prime Minister office. And I I just can't see that happening because uh, two things, because Rishi doesn't have a personality outside of, you know, being some rich North Yorkshire boy um, masquerading as as somebody that cares about rural communities that he represents. But then there's the other thing that people don't care anymore because it's it's now back to the, the classic money in people's pockets argument we're going through the worst cost of living crisis in 200 years people aren't going to give a toss frankly whether 
Boris Johnson, Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak have a funny or have a personality, that time's gone. I mean, there was some, after after PMQs on Sky News, there was some Vox Pops in Dartford. So, uh, what, uh, since the 60s, um, Dartford has been the bellwether. So basically, however Dartford has voted, um, the, the, the winning party there has won the election. And they were saying, there was a couple of people that used to be chairs of conservative associations saying, it was supposed to be neutral members of the public, saying Rishi Sunak's great because he's rich and people will like that because he's done well for himself. But what people in in my area and areas, in, not just in the North, but in every, every single place in the country that are getting squeezed with bills, will think, well, he, he might have done well for himself, but what is he doing for me? And how does he understand that I can't put my heating on and I'm freezing and I'm having to wear 10 jumpers? Um, because I, I just don't think that's going to cut through all saying he's, he, he represents aspiration. Well, he might do, but that is one person. And if that's, that's not trickling down to you at all, then you're not going to care. So I, I don't know why they're trying to dine out, dine out on this, um, this kind of aspirational Rishi. He's done so well for himself. And it's great that he's the, the first South Asian Descent Prime Minister, because that is something that we should celebrate because it shows not the diversity of the Tory party, but the diversity of the country. But for all this sycophantic praise on the Tory benches today, there's still a cost of living crisis in this country. And we've been told today that we have to wait until 17th of November for the fiscal statement, which has been upgraded to an autumn autumn statement. And I just think there's no sense of urgency there at all. They're trying to get Rishi into steady the ship but they're not actually doing anything um, and that's not what people want to see I mean it'll undoubtedly be better than Liz Trust uh, in terms of the personality and it's, it's like following a really bad act if you were a musician or something like that because you, you, you know you're going to come across better afterwards but and it will get a bounce but the biggest bounce ever from a new leader from Labour or Tories is about six to eight points depending on who you ask, and we're 30 points ahead in polls. So he's going to have to do something very special to catch us up. Um, I think Keir was right to raise the the Suella Brevman um, reappointment. I think that was unbelievably self-defeatist by Sunak when I was watching the reshuffle yesterday because, I mean, it's an, it's an own goal for him because you, you're hiring somebody that has just broken the ministerial code and not just any ministerial code she leaked sensitive information from the home office which is the most barring defense probably the most important when it comes to sensitive information and it could well have been a threat to national security so i think that's given us a lot of ammunition to fire that we didn't necessarily need i mean we can go after his wife all we want and things like that i think personally i think that's been done um and i think rishi's slick enough to avoid it to be honest but he, he could have dodged all this if he didn't, you know, in Keir's right, he did put party over over the country. I don't know what deal has been done to bring back Suella Breverman and, and how she's suddenly the flag bearer of the right of the Tory party. But I just think it, it, it's needless from him, but it's given us some decent um, ammunition to fire uh, when it comes to the integrity and the professionalism that he's trying to boast. Um, do you think that he's going to make it to the next general election or will they have a new prime minister next week? I think that he will because of the deals that he has done, like, for example, with Suella Braveman and therefore that kind of faction of the party that might otherwise have, have kicked up a fight. I think he'll try and avoid as many 
arguments as possible with his own party, which will ultimately mean that he will railroad through some very, very difficult pieces of policy, for example, like the Northern Ireland Bill, that will cause, you know, even if they don't cause chaos in his own party, they will cause chaos, um, you know, elsewhere. I think it's interesting that he's deciding now that he's going to go into the next election, not on the sort of strand of economic thought of Boris's levelling up, which is, you know, regardless of, we can argue whether that policy has actually ever materialised, and I'd say it hasn't, but was actually quite a popular pitch in the country. He's decided not to go with that. He's rightfully also decided not to go with the Liz Truss sort of disruptor, sort of economic madness. And now he's sort of tied himself very clearly to doing a kind of revamp of 2010 austerity. And that's pretty neatly surmised by having Jeremy Hunt, who was there throughout that entire period as Chancellor. And I think it's really shows his lack of political judgment that he's forgotten Rishi that is has forgotten what made him popular like when he did eat out to help out when he did the furlough scheme it's almost like he completely forgot that people actually love it when you give them loads of money (laughs) (laughs) that they love it when you actually um you know support them through economic hardship Mm. and recognize you know after however many years of austerity they realize actually when it came to emergency situations we can find the money yeah you know we can find the money for those things and and he's decided to kind of forget about that i think it's up to labor now to kind of make sure that at the next general election whilst it takes a kind of measured approach um and is the sort of stable stable hand in the economy that his offer is still bold and sufficiently transformative to make sure that Rishi kind of is secured in the public eye as this dry accountant type figure who dumps on public expectation, who says no to vital funding. I'm really, really making sure that is the dividing line, that that is the Tories, because I, I don't think it's a choice between do we seem economically sound and stable and do we have a bold offer it's really about going you can do both of these things but it's about that language of priorities and going what is the priority for people in the country yeah i I think you you touched on a good point with um intervention um government intervention has been you know unprecedented in the last kind of few years and it's not 2010 anymore so I, i i completely buy your take that you know he's sold himself as this great interventionist that's done the furlough scheme and eat out to help out and all these amazing policies that everyone seemed to benefit from and he's suddenly rowing back on it and becoming the chancellor that balances the books well actually that doesn't wash anymore um people expect in unprecedented crises to be helped out by the government big state has become way more popular it's not 2010 anymore and the other thing is that austerity in 2010 austerity now is completely different because austerity in 2010 to 2015 things like the bedroom tax and things they didn't get it didn't target middle class people like austerity will now it doesn't target middle earners to have a bedroom tax on a council house or to cut uh, what was then yeah job seekers allowance and but but now when you've got what 
most of most people on universal credit are in work so they're all going to be affected by the cut they might be the squeeze middle mortgages is the big thing it's going to go it, well, it has skyrocketed already but you know people are bothered about mortgages and energy bills and that's something that affects everybody that didn't happen in 2010 because they focused their cuts on the welfare system now if you start leaving the markets to do what they want with energy bills it's going to affect everybody like it already has and if they do come with a fiscal statement on 17th of november and do announce that they're still gonna suspend well they say review but we all know we mean end the uh, energy price freeze then things like that it's not going to be the same as 2010 where people that were you know uh, swing voters would just vote Tory because it was a safe thing to do for them and their family. Um, that's not going to apply at the next election because they, they've proven they can't be trusted um, to follow up on their word, but they've also proven that intervention works. <laughs> and um, that's supposed to be something that they're, they're not very keen on. But I don't know if you think, do you think Kia pressed the right buttons today? I know he went for a broad range of attacks because I suppose you might want to get them all in at once before there's a new PM. Um, next week or something. <laughs> I won't put it past Yeah, me. I do. I think he pressed the right buttons. And, and I think, you know, the reason why it's so broad is, honestly, with Rishi Sunak, there's so much material. First off, I mean, it, Keir didn't even go into this today because there were so many other pressing things like the Suella Braveman appointment. But, you know, it's very hard, actually, to separate Rishi Sunak from the Boris Johnson era and all of the toxicity that is now associated with that. I mean, Rishi was also fined for Partygate. He oversaw all of those Treasury decisions as Chancellor associated with the dodgy sort of VIP lane, you know, someone called corruption in the sort of decisions where where COVID contracts went and all this kind of thing. So there's loads of material. There's loads of material for Keir and the Labour Party to work with if Rishi Sunak is who they, they face up to in a general election. And I think Labour is right to call for a general election. Obviously, opposition parties always want a general election most of the time, especially well. when they're polling so well <laughs> as we are at the moment. Yeah. But... This is something now which I think is really resonating in the country. I mean, with the Tories, it kind of feels like we're on a we're all on this hamster wheel, and the hamster is dead. And mm. like, no one in the Tory party wants to admit that like their time is up. They really do need, you know, regardless of what party you vote for, most people look at them and go, "God, they need a long period in opposition to sort of mm. really sort themselves out." And yeah. the country itself needs needs a fresh start, completely clean break with the last 10 years, especially the last few. I mean, four prime ministers in three years. I think they're on their seventh chancellor now. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I think a lot of people who aren't political don't want to hear about politics. And because of the chaos, they're hearing a lot, a lot, a lot about it. And there's almost like a, please, can we just have a relief of just a few years where we just have some normalcy, some stability, some security, and people are seeing that in Keir Starmer, Rachel Reeves, the whole sort of front bench of like, ah, oh, these are the sensible people, and they're the people who who need to be a number ten calling the shots. Yeah, I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, there there are some people that will say, you know, Rishi Sunak's the guy to steady the ship. He's the calm one. He's in the new phase because we know the Tories are very good at reinventing themselves, but. You know, new face at the top, same Tory chaos. There'll be something in a few weeks. I mean, he's given 
for me, he's given Ben, well- ben Wallace and Suella Breverman top positions. And, and Ben Wallace has actually done quite a good job as defence secretary and we've backed him um, on Ukraine. But the 3% GDP commitment to defence budgets, that will be involved in the fiscal statement. And if he doesn't... Um, if he doesn't commit to that in the fiscal statement, then I think that that is a clear resigning line for Ben Wallace. He's already said that he'd resign. And then Suella Braverman um, with the Rwanda policy, that I know soon acts keen on himself, but it's not fit, even if it was morally acceptable, which it's not. It's really expensive. And if they plan on cutting costs of things, and that's surely the first thing to go. The only airline that was actually going to do it has pulled out. And it doesn't work. So if he can't commit to that, that's her uh, red line as well. So surely he's creating, you know, I understand the need to bring your enemies into cabinet, but I think he's creating a few um, glaring future problems for himself. I've just got the news in now that Rishi Sunak, see it's live on the Open Level podcast, <laughs> Rishi Sunak <laughs> reinstated uh, the fracking ban. So, right. I mean, he's reinstated, so they're calling it a U-turn, but it's not, is it? It's an O-turn. They've done... I've done two U-turns because they, they yeah they're and, back at their original position. We're going to see this a lot with a lot of things. I think you know that the U-turns on U-turns. Um, if they've really set themselves up badly, I mean, you described it as like a warm-up act. They've had the worst possible warm-up act in Liz Truss because she spent the last six weeks absolutely trashing her own party's record, including the record under Rishi Sunak as Chancellor trashing the lack of growth and everything else. And now Rishi's come in and is like, mm, so I'm going to U-turn on all her U-turns. And uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Cool. Cheers. Very I think, I think if, you could, if, you, if you could wave, what is it that hypnotists do with the the um, the thing that makes you forget? I think if you could do that and just get, oh, the men in black thing, that's a better analogy. Men in black where they do the flash thing and everyone forgets the last seven weeks. That, that'd be perfect for him, but it's not going to happen. They've created our attack lines for us and mm. yeah with the with the non-dom thing, stuff and things like that I mean it's just hopefully there's going to be this groundswell of different the, the ideal thing is different people get pissed off about different things so you'll have a certain person that's pissed off about the non-dom thing and his wife that pays no tax <laughs> and then oh she didn't and then you'll you'll have some people that are pissed off about him giving loads of money to rural or Boston about giving money to rural communities and taking it off working class areas and it's that kind of groundswell of of opinion that wins the opposition elections a lot of the time coupled with obviously our policies i mean it's going to be the hopefully it's going to be the same as in 2000 kind of 15 where ed Miliband went for a bit of a well on some he pandered to the tory vote on immigration and things like that so people just voted for the real deal because why would they vote for us? Why would they not just vote for the real the real Tories if they wanted them? So yeah. hopefully this time they won't do anything with energy bills, with the energy crisis, and we say, well, we're going to fix it. We're going to publicly own energy. So that's that's the real deal. So vote for us. Don't vote for Labour light because that's what they're trying to do with the intervention. They're trying to do intervention without actually doing any at all, really. And it, it's not trickle down. It's, it's, it's just staying the same. So yeah. I think at the next general election, we're going to see a huge amount of, tactical voting that we haven't seen in an election in a long time because there is a real deep sense of frustration with the current Tory party and really the process that they're putting the country through every time they 
you know, go through this turmoil of a new leader, new policies, new U-turns, everything else. Um, and I think, you know, that will actually really benefit Labour in the next general election. It's obviously not good for the country in the period between now and that election. Um, but obviously, you know, we'll see what happens. I think this isn't the last we've heard of Suella Braverman. I think mm. you're absolutely right. I think she is a, she is a problem waiting to happen. Um, and really, it was a really bad decision to reappoint her to the cabinet, especially, you know, even just from a basic political point of giving your enemy something to attack you with. I mean, mm. that's exactly what he's just... Rishi Sunak has handed that to Keir Starmer on a plate. Here's an absolute liability for national security and everything else, and I've just put her in my cabinet. What do you think of that? Yeah, and it's national security is something we don't traditionally pull very well on, and they do. Um, so you, you wonder why, you know, you wonder why he's given us that ammunition to fire, but I think we'll leave it there unless you've got all else. But I just think, I think it still looks as promised as it did last week. I mean, Trust would have annihilated the Tory party. There would have been no seats left in England, I think, for them. Yeah. But... I don't think Sunak will be anywhere near as bad. He will try and deliver the, their previous manifesto. Yeah. But I there's think, so many sticking points. In there. I think with Sunak, the, the, the challenge for the Tory party now is Sunak as a communicator when he's under pressure. When yeah. he was Chancellor and he was pressed on, like, for example, his wife's non-dom status and all this kind of thing, he, had, he looks very, very visibly nervous when he's pressed mm. on these things. His lines are not convincing and all of this stuff, he's going to go through all of that again at the next election if he's leader. And if he carries on it, it, with the style that he uses currently to deal with those questions, he will be absolutely annihilated in TV debates with Keir Starmer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think as well, just last thing, um, he goes missing quite a lot. And if you remember during the COVID um, press conferences when the non-dom stuff came up he did not and, and the COVID contract stuff was happening he did not want to challenge that at all they put up George Eustace every night um, which is thrilling um, as environment secretary you know and he just there was, there was nothing from Sunak for months he just went completely off the face of the earth and I remember us saying where is the chancellor and I can see this happening again with prime minister if if the prime minister doesn't goes missing like trusted um during the cost of living crisis, that'll be curtains for him because no one will forgive that. No, not yeah. at all. Right, great stuff. Thanks very much. And Thank we you. will hopefully speak to you next week.